I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Genesis chapter 9 as we continue walking our way through the very first book of the Bible together. And as we do that, if you're new to North River Church, I want you to know that as we gather every single week, this is exactly what we do, open God's Word together and ask the Lord to speak to us. The Lord has promised that His Word will not return void, and so I know that it will accomplish in your life today what God intends for it to accomplish. And as we prepare our hearts this morning to look at Genesis chapter 9, I want you to reflect on a question this morning. What does it take to have a blessed life? What does it take to have a blessed life? Is it in what you have? Is it in possessions? Kendall, who plays the drums, and I joke back and forth every once in a while about a red Ferrari. I mean, it would help, right? But is that the measure of a blessed life? Is it in kids? Is it in relationships? What is a blessed life? As we look at the text this morning, what I want us to be reminded of, what I want us to reflect upon is that a blessed life ultimately is a life lived in relationship with our Creator. It's a life that is lived in relationship with our Creator. As we look at Genesis chapter 9 this morning, as we read through verses 1 through 17, I want you to dial in on that. I want you to take notice of what the Lord says to Noah and his family on the back end of them surviving the flood, being saved by God in the ark. I want you to notice on the back end what God has to say to them, God's blessing upon them and their lives, what God desires for them and from them as they live their lives as an act of worship to him. Genesis chapter 9, this is what God's word records beginning in verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I have given you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And for man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again 
shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together. And it's this truth, we experience the blessing of God in our lives when we begin to grasp His purpose, protection, and promise for His creation. We experience the blessing of God in our lives when we begin to grasp three things. One, purpose. Why do we exist? Why are we alive? Why are we here? Why did God create mankind and put us on this planet? Why are we here? But not only that, why are we valuable? Why do we matter? Why do we have inherent worth and dignity? And then ultimately, what is God's promise to us? As we look and survey what God has done, what is the great promise that we have from Him? We're going to unpack those things this morning in Genesis chapter 9. And so I want us to begin first and foremost in verses 1 through 4 with this truth, God's purpose in our existence. Why are we here? I want you to notice in verse 1, it says, God blessed Noah and his sons. Now think about where Noah and his sons are at this point. They've just survived, been saved by the Lord on the ark. It is on the back end of that. They have come down out of the ark and everything, all of creation, has been wiped out. I want you to notice that the Lord blesses them. I've shared this story with you before. My granddad I knew that he loved me. There was no doubt about it. Every baseball game that I can remember, even though he lived an hour away from us, my granddad was at every single game. He was on the side. Now, let me just say to you, I've told you this before too, he he was not the one who would say, hey, I love you, I'm proud of you, or anything like that. In fact, he was the one that uh, would look at me and say after the game was over, son, you're the only person I've seen that can turn a triple into a single. 
He said, you run hard. You're just running the same place too long. And so I grew up, that, that's what I knew of my granddad. I mean, I knew that he loved me, but, but he never really said it until just before he died. I visited with him just a few years ago. And for the first time, he looked over at me as I was getting ready to leave. And he said, Michael, I want you to know I love you and I'm proud of you. That moment of blessing from him to me. I want you to notice that that's what we see take place from the Lord to Noah and to his sons here, that the Lord blesses them. Now think about where they've been. They've just been on the ark cooped up for over a year. They've just seen God's judgment poured out on all of creation. And then we come to verse 1 of chapter 9 and we see that God blesses them. I want you to notice what he says to them. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, if you've been with us very long in our study through Genesis, this is very familiar language here because if you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, this is exactly what God had said to Adam and Eve when God created them. God had said to them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth. And in that, what we realize is that God's design and God's purpose for mankind is that we would fill the earth with worshipers of God. That's the reason that we exist. It's the purpose for which we have been created is to worship the Lord and not only just us worship the Lord, but that we would have children and raise them to worship the Lord. And then our children would have children. We have grandchildren that we could fan the flame and that they're worshiping the Lord. So what we just sang about is not just a song. It's what God intends for our lives. The reason that you and I exist ultimately is that we would have a relationship with our creator. And what we see as we continue working our way through scripture is that that's God's plan for you and for me, that within every single one of us, there is a hole in our hearts that only a relationship with our creator can fill. And the only way that is possible is through salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, what we realize here this morning is that for Noah and for his sons, that what God was establishing and reminding them of is that he had a relationship with them. And so he blesses them. And he says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to worship me. And I want you to have children and raise them to worship me. And I want them to have children and raise them to worship me. Noah, this is the plan. This is the purpose. This is the reason for which you have been created. So let me say to you this morning, parents, you have the opportunity to worship the Lord and to raise your kids to worship the Lord. There is not a better place for you and for your family to be than plugged into the local church. Grandparents, there is no better place for you to be than to fan the flame of your kids and your grandkids as they pursue the Lord. It's the reason that we have been 
created. We were created to worship the Lord. You may have come in this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And for you, if your desire is to worship the Lord with your life, it begins there. It begins by taking that step of receiving the salvation that Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection provides for you this morning. Receive that gift. Be brought into a relationship with your creator. Enjoy the ability to worship God. Now it's interesting when you look and realize that the way it's described here is that the fear and the dread of you, that's mankind, will be on every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens, on everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But don't eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Now, it's interesting to me that as the Lord is saying to Noah and to his sons, here's what you are to do to worship me. He doesn't start with, you need to go to church. Do you notice that? What does he talk about? Eating. Which, amen, right? I'm in. But he talks about it here, and he says, I'm giving you everything that you are able to eat. The fish of the sea, it's going to be food for you. The animals are going to be food for you. The plants, he says, I've already given to you. We saw that happen in Genesis chapter 1. Now we get to eat meat. Amen? Right? We did that Friday night right in here. Steaks, it's perfect. But at this point in time, I want you to notice that in worshiping the Lord, that he doesn't say it can only happen in church. In fact, every single thing that we do as a follower of Jesus is an act of worship. Worship the Lord with your life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, whatever you do, eating, drinking, whatever you do, do it all as worship to the Lord. And here, this is exactly what God's reminding Noah and his sons. Here is your purpose. Here's what you're to be doing. Worship me with your lives. And here's the thing. As we worship the Lord with our lives, it naturally flows from that that we will be a witness to those that are around us. As we worship the Lord, we will be a witness to those that are around us. There are people who are far from God in your life and in my life, and you are the person that God desires to use to reach them with the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Who is that coworker? Who is that neighbor? Who is that friend? Who is that classmate that the Lord has placed in your life and his desire is to use you to make an impact in their life for Christ? God has a plan and a purpose for your life and for my life. That is that we would worship him in everything that we do and by default be a witness to the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. For Noah and for his sons, the Lord says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. 
And as we're doing this, we are going to be a witness to a promise-keeping, covenant-making God. That's what our lives are to be spent for. You look and you realize that God's purpose for our existence is that we would worship Him. I want you to notice, secondly, as we look in verses 5 through verse 7, not only God's purpose in our existence, why are we here, but also God's protection of our value. Notice beginning in verse 5. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. I want you to notice God's determination here that life will be valued. Now think about it in relation to what has just transpired. God has exercised his judgment against all of creation, sending the flood, wiping out every single person with the exception of Noah and his sons and their wives that were on the ark, God's means of salvation for them. It could have easily gone from this to look around and go, well, life must not be valuable after all. I mean, take note of what God did. So life's really not that big of a deal, and God dispels that myth right here. That human life is valuable. Now notice why. In this last part there of verse 6. For God made man in his own image. Why is every single person, regardless of skin color, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of How much money they make. Why is every single person valuable and have worth and dignity? Because we are created in the very image of God. From the womb to the tomb. From conception to the moment of natural death. Every single person is valuable because we were created in the image of God. Now when you look and realize what's going on in the world around us, you just simply turn the news on and you look at what's happening right now in Ukraine and there's something within us that rises up and we're like, something's wrong with that. You don't murder innocent people. That's the reason. We've been created in the image of God. Every single person has value and worth because of that, when you realize some of the things that are taking place in our country, you stand up and you say, we must value human life. We must value life in the womb because that is a life created in the very image of God. Where we stand firm on that truth, we declare as the psalmist did that it is God who is knitting together the baby in the womb. A baby in the very image of himself. And then we look and we realize that 
There are some who are making an argument that as soon as you are no longer an active producing member of society, you're just simply sucking like a drain. We can get rid of you as well. But that's not it. You realize that it doesn't matter whether it's a baby in the womb or it's an elderly person in a nursing home or whether it's a child that's born with some type of disability. It doesn't matter. Every single person is created in the very image of God and has value and worth because of that. The Lord here reiterates that once again. We saw it in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 with be fruitful and multiply. We see it here that was shared in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 of man being created in the image of God. It is a reminder of what God has already said. God's mind has not changed and it will never change because every single person is created in the very image of God. And we look and we think, that makes sense. I mean, we should not murder people. Like, we understand that. Like, that's in the text. But let me press it a little bit further for us, just practically speaking. Because our life groups have been walking our way through the book of James. And James says, how do we stand in church and use our mouth to lift praises to the Lord and then use that same mouth and curse someone else because that person's created in the very image of God. Uh Uh-oh. Now we realize that it's more than just their physical life, but for you and for me as followers of Jesus that we must value life not only in physical life, but for them spiritually and emotionally as well. And we ride down the road and someone's in front of us in traffic and we need to go somewhere faster than they're going. What do you say about them? What do you say when you're standing in the checkout line at Walmart and one line is open? Or when you talk to a customer service representative because they've jacked your cable bill up again. I mean, let's think about this. As followers of Jesus, how do we interact with people? Because the way that we speak to people, the way that we interact with people says a lot about what we think about them as a person. Whether we think they have inherent value and worth because they're created in the very image of God, the Lord reminds Noah and his sons and creation here of the value of human life. And in verse 7, he says, You be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. I want you to notice in verses 8 through verse 17, this third truth. So not only is God's purpose in our existence clear, God's protection of our value is clear, but here's the third truth, God's promise for our future. Notice in verse eight, then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you 
And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you. Listen to this. That never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. I want you to notice God's mercy as he details this out. Can you imagine had this not taken place and Noah and his sons watched the first rain cloud form? And they go, "Uh uh-oh, I've seen that happen before. Are we going to be okay? But no, the Lord says here, never again. Though the clouds form, never again will I destroy the earth because of a flood. God's mercy on display right here. What we realize and understand is that God was just in sending the flood. God's judgment against sin. God takes sin very seriously. And God, when he sent the flood, was simply exercising his judgment against sinners. You look and you say, man, that seems really harsh. But here's the good news. For you and for me, what we recognize and understand is that you and I don't have to experience the judgment of God if we will simply receive the salvation available to us through Jesus Christ. In the same way here that salvation was made available to Noah and his family through the ark. The ark, simply a picture of Jesus. And the Lord reminds Noah and his sons here, never again will I send a flood to destroy everything. Remember the first time that I got pulled over for speeding? I was in college, I was coming home, it was the week of Thanksgiving, just finished up classes, and I left the school, and it, I was probably three miles down the road, Georgia State Patrol, lights on. So I pull over, and he comes up, and he says, I, you know, license registration, and Hand those to him. He says, you know how fast you were going, which there's no need to even say, right? Don't even respond. So anyway, he comes back and he says to me, he said, um, Mr. Kennedy, have you ever had a ticket before? No, sir. And in that moment, I started thinking, this is going to be okay. Like, I don't have to go home and explain to my dad why I got a ticket for speeding. He said, Mr. Kennedy, uh, you've never had a ticket. I said, no, sir. He said, well, it's your lucky day. I thought, the Lord has answered my prayer already. He said, it's your lucky day. I get to write you your first one. No mercy. No mercy. Now, I deserved the ticket because I was speeding. But what we see here is the Lord extending mercy. We have a God full of mercy. And we see that on display here as he says to Noah and to his sons, to all of creation, never again will I destroy the earth 
by flood. But not only do we see God's mercy on display here, but I want you to take notice of the grace. Verse 12, God said, this is the sign of the covenant. So not only am I going to tell you that I'm not going to do it again, here's the proof. Here's the sign. Here's the measure of grace for you. For you, every living creature that is with you, for all future generations. Verse 13, I have set my bow in the cloud, the rainbow. Regardless of what it's been hijacked for now, for the Lord, the rainbow is a sign of his covenant promise to his people. I've set my bow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Notice verse 14. When I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters will never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, verse 17, this is the sign. This is the measure of grace, the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Every time you and I see the rainbow, we're reminded of a God who keeps his covenant. But don't lose sight of for you and for me, the sign of the new covenant through Jesus Christ. Church family, every time we see the cross, we are reminded of the grace and the mercy of God on display. For Noah, for his sons, even for us to this day, we see the rainbow and we go, that's it. We see God's covenant, God's promise. He's going to do what he promised. But church, when we see the cross, we're reminded of the new covenant made available through Jesus Christ shed blood that Christ took our sin upon himself, paid the debt that we owed, absorbed the wrath of God against sin and makes it possible for us to have a relationship with our creator and experience the fullness that life can bring. When we see the cross, it is our sign that we have a covenant-keeping God. Would you bow your head with me this morning? and Close your eyes and as our worship team makes their way back up. We'll have an opportunity to respond to the Lord and to his word this morning. Maybe you've come in today and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to know that God takes sin seriously. And apart from your sins being forgiven, 
you will one day experience the judgment of God against your sin. But there is hope this morning. Hope made available through Jesus Christ, God's only son, sent here for a specific purpose, and that is to seek and to save the lost. This morning, you can have your sins forgiven by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. He did what you and I could not do. And he offers to us this morning his righteousness that covers us. Maybe for you, that's the step that you need to take in just a minute as we sing. You can come and grab my hand or Pastor Aaron's hand this morning and say, that's a step I need to take. I need Jesus. Maybe you're not ready yet to take that step, but you want to talk more about that. Just fill out one of those connection cards and drop it off at the welcome table. We'd love to touch base with you, walk you through what it looks like to take that step. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you've taken that step. I want you to rejoice and rest in a covenant-keeping God. A God who's promised to you He will fulfill. Rest in that truth this morning. Maybe this is a moment of conviction for you as we talked about the value of life today and you've realized that You need to take more seriously the fact that every single person is created in the image of God around you. And take seriously the opportunity you have to point them to a life of meaning and purpose through a relationship with their creator made possible through his son, Jesus Christ. Father, we ask this morning that you would use this time of response Father, to challenge us, convict us, encourage us, equip us to do what you've called us to do. That this would be a time of salvation. God, this would be a time of commitment. This would be a time of rest and rejoicing in who you are and what you've done. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this morning? You respond.